Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Laura Jeffers. She is the co-founder of Eclipse Healing and the Eclipse Meditations app. How are you doing today, Laura? I'm doing amazing, Brad. Thanks for having me on today. Excellent. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with me today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us. I'm looking forward to jumping in and learning a bit more about your journey. So uh, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. You bet. So Laura, you come from a family of healers. It's in your blood, one could say, I guess. You have a master's in nursing with 20 years of experience in hospice. You are skilled in integrative healing techniques, an EFT practitioner, a nutritionist, a life coach, an Ironman athlete, and the co-founder of Eclipse Healing and the Eclipse Meditations app. That is a hell of a lot of hats and (laughs) quite a resume you have there. First of all, how on earth do you find the time for all of this? And how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization to you? Well, prioritization has been a big deal for me for many years. I remember after I graduated from high school, I was introduced to the Franklin Covey system and I had a Franklin planner and I would do the ABC prioritization system that they had. I would set goals and I would work towards them. And so I've just had a pattern of setting big goals all my life and just taking one step at a time forward to achieve them. So, you know, after, you know, I, what, almost 55, after 55 years, it's given me a lot of years to get things done, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Now, are you still working in hospice care currently? And what has been one of your biggest lessons or takeaways from working in hospice care, would you say? Okay. That's a great question. Thank you. Yes. I am still working part-time in a supportive clinical leadership role. One of my biggest lessons and takeaways is largely the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today, but it's the, you know, what I recognized and saw through all my years in hospice that the end of life process is enhanced by the health of our relationships. The healthier our relationships are at end of life, the better that end of life experience is. And it just became a very compelling thing for me to make sure, first of all, that my relationships are in a good place, but also helping others to get their relationships in a good place as well. It's a tough part of the healthcare industry to work in. I mean, did you start out in that area? of healthcare? I did not intend to. When I went through nursing school, I thought I would be doing labor and delivery and helping okay. new moms with babies. 
But when I um, was doing my clinical rotations, I did one clinical rotation with hospice. And I remember sitting in the conference room for the first time with the hospice team before I went out with a case manager to do visits and to meet the patients. And they had a spiritual care coordinator who gave this inspirational thought before we embarked on our day. And it just, it blew me away that we had this whole team and this whole support system for the patients and their families. We have a chaplain, we have a nurse, we have a social worker, we have volunteers and massage therapists and music therapists and this whole system. You know, I had been working in the hospital, med surge, you know, I have four patients, I'm giving meds, I didn't have time with patients, I didn't really feel like I had time to really help and nurture people. But I saw that this was a place that I could really have an impact. And so during my clinical rotation in nursing school, I decided that I needed to have a role in hospice in the future. I didn't know how soon that would happen for me, but I knew once I graduated at some point in the future, I would be a hospice nurse. That is so funny that you went from wanting to be at the start of life, working and birthing, and and you actually ended up at the end of life. It's, I mean, I can't imagine how, on one hand, how rewarding that work must be, but on the other hand, how heartbreaking that work could be. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I was asked early on, like, how can you do it? Right. And my immediate response, and I don't know where it came from within me, was how can I not Um, because I have a faith and a perspective that supports me in this work. You know, I have a belief that there's life beyond death, that there's something out there beyond that. And I think that my belief system really supported me in loving people along this end of life path, knowing that that's not an end part. It's just part of the journey. And so I think that's really what helped me. And I also understood early on as well. I would see other nurses get so, I don't know what the right word is. They would get, they would become so distraught with what was happening with patients and families that they couldn't continue working. We saw a lot of burnout in hospice. Yeah. And I thought this is, again, this is part of the healing journey, right? I said, I have to get really good at processing through these emotions that I'm experiencing. I had to learn how to grieve on the go. Yeah. Meaning that I, I was in seeing a patient and family and that patient was close to the end. And this was a, has been a recent diagnosis. The family had not had time to, you know, come to understanding or to accept what's going on. It's, it's just a really difficult situation. I would go sometimes and just sit in my car and just allow myself to cry and just grieve through it and let those emotions go. And I got really good at saying, okay, I need to, I need to work through this so that I'm cleansing myself, basically, so that I can go on and I can take care of the next patient and be present for the next family. And yeah, I was able to somehow, I don't know, intuitively, (laughs) you know, that's when I think my intuition was really starting to wake up and I was starting to understand um, how to move in this work and how to stay in a healthy place. And it was really quite incredible. I would imagine it was hard at first though, to not bring your work home with you. You know what I mean? Like that you yeah. you, you have to uh-huh. learn to compartmentalize that. So you don't yeah. take it home with you and let it affect your everyday life. Right. And again, that was just allowing myself to process through it and learning how to process through those emotions in a healthy way. Well, it didn't affect 
And, you know, I really came into this understanding of proactive, not reactive. I need to be proactive in working through those emotions. I need to be proactive in understanding what's going on inside of me, not reacting. So if I bring it home and I'm proactive, knowing that I'm suffering and I'm having some grief, I can still hold that space for me, but still be loving and show up for my kids. Cause my kids were young when I started this, right. I had three, three children at home. Yeah. So I really had to find and, and define those boundaries for myself. For, for sure. sure. Now you have said that working in hospice has played a huge role in your own personal healing journey. Can you tell us a little bit about your own personal journey and struggles? Oh, wow. Okay. So I was in the process of a divorce just as I was getting ready to go into nursing school. And I was going to nursing school because I knew I now needed a way to support myself and my family. You know, I I had other skill sets, but I wanted something that could provide a substantial income for me and really support me. And I felt like nursing was the area that I needed to pursue. And I really did feel drawn to it because I really wanted to be able to serve other people. And I think that's another reason why I was so drawn to hospice because I really had this deep desire to serve. But in that, as I'm going through this divorce and all of the hurt and the pain of that, it wasn't my choice. I saw heroes that were going through and facing end of life. They were going to die. And how could I be caught up in myself and my self-pity of woe is me, my husband left me and my children. I'm not facing end of life. Now I've got time to create the life I want, right? But these other people are facing death. I'm like, I need to make the best of what I have now. I need to stop wallowing in this self-pity and this suffering and make the best and create the life that I want for me and for my kids. And I think that that was the biggest help for me working in hospice and that healing process is seeing that, seeing those heroes and how they faced death with such bravery. Now, not all patients were the same, but I saw and I was able to, I mean, truly walk among greatness, these families and patients that just faced it with such courage was an honor to be a part of and a privilege to be a part of their journey. I love that you use the term and word heroes because that's that, that speaks volumes. That's incredible that you refer to them that way. I just, I love it. It, it just, it resonates so much. It's incredible because that's, that's what they are. I mean, they're facing end of life and I mean, for so many people, that's such a huge fear. And to face that head on with strength and courage, I mean, albeit maybe at times it's it's a facade because, I mean, (laughs) let's be honest, people can say they're not scared of death all they like, but at some point that fear has got to creep in a little bit even, you know? Right. Like you're facing the end of your life. I I don't know how any human being could just face that head on and not be, not have the least bit of fear. Right. I mean, it could be for the other side, not knowing for sure what's on the other side. Yeah. Or fear of what you're leaving behind. Yes. Fear of missing out on, you know, grandbabies and weddings and graduations. And, you know, yeah, it is. There would be fear either way, even for people who have a solid foundation and even for those heroes, they, I'm sure had those doubts and fears. What's next? And what does this look like? Yeah, absolutely. But I love that you use that term. I think that's beautiful. Laura, how have these experiences that you've been through helped shape the Laura you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? 
I think that it has given me an incredible amount of compassion and empathy for the human family. And it has helped me in my work, not only as a nurse executive and working with teams and colleagues in the work setting, being able to have compassion and empathy for people who are in the work setting and for what they're going through, but also for friends and family and, you know, all the people that are around me on a personal level. It has helped immensely in how I interact with others in the world. Beautiful. You have said that you believe healing within is the best gift we can give ourselves and our families and is the foundation of health and happiness. How long did it take you to arrive at this conclusion and what led to this discovery for you? Well, you know, I go back to my divorce. I struggled so much with that. You know, so much was taken away from me, right? That my husband, my home, the security, and I was so angry and so bitter. And I started to see and recognize, and again, I'm so grateful for my intuition and self-awareness, right? I mean, I think I was kind of peeking through, like I had my eyes closed. I was barely peeking through. <laughs> yeah, I- You have your eyes covered, but you're just peeking through <laughs> right. like the little, right. you're spreading your fingertips just a little bit to peek exactly. through, right? <laughs> right. And I'm seeing like, this is not who I want to be when I'm showing up in resentment or anger. This is not who I want to be with my kids. This is not who I want to be with my family. This is not who I want to be with my colleagues. You know, I would create space and I would show up great for my patients, but you know, everybody else, I would just get me and how I was feeling. And again, right. So I started learning this concept of proactive and reactive. So I could see that I was being proactive with my patients and showing up from a place of love and putting aside all of that junk that was going on inside of me. But yet in an outside world, if I got triggered by people, I would be reactive and, you know, they would just feel my emotional poison and not to say that I was a really nasty person or anything, right. but I could see myself in situations. I'd be like, I don't want to show up that way. Yeah. Why did I just talk to that person in that way? You know, why am I blaming? Why am I acting like a victim here? And so, yeah, I just think that the self-awareness was the gift of all of that. Again, intuition helping me open up to self-awareness. And again, it was just like, I was very, we use the term unveiling with the four phases of healing with eclipse healing. And this is something that Dominique and McKenzie and I, we'll talk a little bit more about them later, talked about, and we wanted to really define the four phases of healing. And that was my unveiling phase. That's when I'm just peeking through. I'm just looking through the veil. (laughs) I'm starting to see and recognize things. And some of the things I saw, I did not like, but I was like, I I need to address this. I need to look at this. I need to do something about this. Beautiful. Now, as mentioned at the start of this, you're trained in many modalities and things. So do you incorporate all of these modalities and trainings you have into the work you do with your clients? And when did you co-found Eclipse Healing and, and the Eclipse Meditations app? So I would say, yes, I use all of the foundational concepts. When I do a session with my clients or when we're working on meditations, what we're doing is we're drawing from the collective whole of our experience. And I say are because when we work on the meditations, this is a collaboration between Dominique McKinsey and I, generally speaking. Sometimes we do our own. So we just kind of take, we take bits and pieces of everything that we've learned into the work that we do. And we started, I had these ideas. I'm an idea factory. That's just how my brain works. I love that term. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've always been this way. It's just like my mind is just always firing. I started running, oh, about six or seven years ago. And I found out that that's when the idea factory is alive and well. So a couple of years ago, I remember, well, let me just back up for a second. Dominique and McKinsey and I have always wanted to work together in some respect in the healing world. And, And I just am always looking at, you know, how do we reach the most people? One-on-one sessions, there's so many limitations with that, right? I only have so much time. I can only have so much impact. I'm working one-on-one with people. Love the work, but I wanted to have a broader impact. I could see, I had this vision for a broader impact. And so one time I was out running and I said, okay, what about guided healing meditations with emotion release? So I had been taught this modality, this emotional release facilitation modality. And I thought, if we can incorporate those concepts into a guided healing meditation, people could listen to these every day. They wouldn't be limited to our once a week session or our once a month session. They could work and process through emotions on a daily basis. And so this was just tumbling around in my brain for a while. And we had kind of talked casually about it probably through, let me just think time frame. We started this in 2021, February, 2021. It was when we actually said, let's create an app and let's make this happen. But probably a year prior to that, we had been in the talks about let's work together. Let's do something. And I had introduced the concept of meditation. So Mackenzie and Dominique's mind was already, were already kind of circulating. And, and um, in fact, Mackenzie came up with the concept of eclipse. So when we came together in February, she goes, I think we need to call this eclipse because eclipse is a time of rapid transformation. And this is what we want to create for the people who come and who use our Eclipse Meditations. We want to help create a rapid healing, a rapid transformation for them. So does that answer your question? Yes. (laughs) Well, a year ago, a year ago, (laughs) we came together. Sometimes I get, you know, in my mind and off on tangents. So you'll just have to. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Now you've mentioned Dominique and Mackenzie a few times. So let's talk a little bit about them and how this all came a bit more in depth of how this all came to be. I mean, tell us more about Eclipse Healing and what inspired you and how it all came to be for you and Mackenzie and Dominique. Okay. So it's really quite a beautiful journey. So back in the early years, just after I was divorced, Dominique went through an emotional release facilitation course and she and my brother, okay, let me introduce them first. Dominique is my sister-in-law. Yeah, I actually roomed with her when she and my brother started dating (laughs) and I absolutely (laughs) love this woman. I just love this woman. And then McKenzie is her daughter. And I I was in the room when McKenzie was born. We lived in the same area when Dominique was pregnant with McKenzie. So, I mean, I knew when she they conceived McKenzie and I knew that this little baby was coming into the world. And so little did I know that we would end up working together and that she would become this powerful, intuitive healer that she's become at her young age. So Dominique did this course. I had my first emotional release facilitation session with her. This was probably in maybe 2002. I can't remember exactly. And was completely blown away. You know, I'm freshly divorced. I'd been going to a therapist trying to work through all of these emotions. And it just seemed like all all at once in one session, so much was just let go. And I had this lightness about me. I felt I could float 
and I couldn't describe it. It, it was just so overwhelming to me. I, I journaled about it. And then, of course, I, um, I continued to process with Dominique off and on over the years. And then fast forward, and I'm trying to make this story brief. Fast forward, I'm, you know, I'm finishing up my master's. Dominique was offering a certification course in emotional risk facilitation. And I, I told her, I said, as soon as I get done with my master's, I want to take the class. Yeah. I finished my master's. I land my dream job. I'm traveling nationally. I'm implementing a transitional care program across the nation in one of the largest hospice organizations in the U.S. I was at the peak of my career, loving it. So I did that. I was doing that job. And then I started Dominique's course. I was about a year into that project that I was working on, that transitional care project. We were starting to wrap up the project. I enter the course and I got laid off and I was devastated that here I had this space to just take the course and be in the course. And at the time I was angry and hurt that I got laid off and I lost my dream job. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this by divine design? Is this because this is what I'm supposed to do? And so I, you know, of course I went to work finding a job, you know, working at an executive level, it takes longer to find jobs, right? You know, there's a, yeah. there's a long process. And so, you know, I, I was working on finding a job at first. There was, wasn't much out there. It was scary to me because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have a job. I need some income. And fortunately, you know, I was prepared financially. I, I had what I needed to to make it work for a few months, but it allowed me to run like crazy which I, you know, as I explained, I'm an idea factory, right? So my brain just creates all these ideas and, and visions and, and um, it really just helped me integrate these concepts and learn more deeply and work with clients because we had to work with a certain amount of clients to complete the certification. So I had this beautiful space that opened up to me that gave me the opportunity to really learn and integrate and, and be part of this. And then towards the end of the class, I think the class had finished. I got a great job, travel job again. I was very happy about it, felt very blessed. And I started working again. But then about two, I think about two and a half years into that job, I was driving down the road in Santa Rosa. And I'll never forget. I know exactly where I was when I had this impression that I need to write. And I'm, I'm not a writer. I mean, I, I write nursing, you know, I did yeah. fine through a master's program, right? I'm like, I need to write what? What is that message? Where did it come from? What is this? I need to write. But it was so profound. I thought this must mean that I need to do this, the emotional release stuff. I need to write meditations. I mean, I can say that now because I have an understanding of that, that now. But it took time for my intuition to reveal and help me understand what that path was. And so then over a series of time, I came to terms with it because I was like, this is ridiculous. I just got my master's in nursing. I should be, you know, doing my career. This has been my dream to have this travel, you know, the travel job. I was traveling to California every week. I had a site in Cal- in Monterey, California. I got to stay on the beach. I'm like, what's not nice. to love about that? <laughs> wow. right? And to eat in these amazing restaurants on Cannery Row in Monterey and shop in their shops. And I'm like, why would I leave this to start a business? Because there's so much uncertainty in, in that. But over time, that's exactly what I did. And I assumed a 
a remote role, but by divine design, my company has been so amazing to allow me to just tailor make my position so that I can just nurture and grow this business. So I have been so incredibly blessed during this whole process. Sometimes the things that happen for us, although at the time it may seem absolutely fucking horrible and upside down, and it may turn your world upside down for the moment, but it ends up being the best fucking thing that could happen. Absolutely. For us, not to us, but for us. Absolutely. I I 100% agree. And and that's a hard lesson to learn when you're in that moment and it's happening to you. It's like, why is this fucking happening? But when when you're able to take a step back as an outsider and look in at it and you're able to take the lessons from it and realize that, hey, wait a minute, this isn't happening to me. There's a different reason. It's, It's just a detour in my road of my journey. And that's all it is. And we're off to a different place, a better place. And that's, that's all there is to it. Yeah. And thank goodness for that. Yeah. Because it puts us on the path that we're supposed to be on. That's right. But it, but it is hard. It is very hard to take a step back and look, look in from the outside. Yes, absolutely. And that, that takes practice. That's a practice that I think we constantly have to work on every day. Yes. <laughs> it's so hard. True. Yeah. Because we don't want to let go of those things, That's right? right. That give us the safety and security, like my nursing yeah. career. That gives me yeah. safety and security. That's a safe yeah. place to be. I know what I'm doing there. Yes. I feel comfortable there. Yes. I feel very comfortable in hospice. I love working with the teams. Yes. Yeah. And it's very hard to step into the unknown yeah. and the uncertainty and try something new. It is for sure. I mean, that's, that's our ego protecting us from something new. And when you are able to step outside of your comfort zone and push yourself beyond those limits of comfort, incredible. That's where the magic happens. That's, that's, that's it. That's what life's about. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It truly is a beautiful thing and an incredible thing, although scary as hell at times. (laughs) <laughs> but it's where the, it's where the magic happens, I believe. Yeah, totally now, agree. You say that you help people dis- people discover self love, connect with their intuition, and create the life they've always wanted. First, how do you help your clients do that? Do this? What methods do you typically use? Secondly, do you believe that everybody has the ability? to be an intuitive within. And it's just a matter of maybe having the right guidance to do so or figuring out on your own how to tap into that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the second first because it's going to lead into the first. Yes, when we can get all of the junk out of the way, all of our limiting beliefs and false perceptions out of the way, it opens us up to our intuition. Those limiting beliefs block us. That self-loathing, the self-rejection, the blame that we place on ourselves, the judgment that we have of ourselves, all of that clouds and shadows our ability to, to trust our intuition and to feel into our intuition. And it's important for us to, when I work with my clients, it's so important for us to go through and identify those limiting beliefs, those things that are holding them back, that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I mean, these are the very foundational things that when you dig down deep, what I do doesn't matter. I have no value in this world. Those messages have been inserted in us 
it's almost like we get a microchip popped in us in, in childhood at a certain time. Yeah. And the, they com- they continue to play in our mind. And it can be from big trauma or even small trauma. It may be a teacher saying, you know, why are you so stupid? Or, you know, maybe it's not even something that rude or overt. Maybe it's just something like, wow, you really should have tried harder. Those memories become locked in our subconscious mind and they play on autoplay and autopilot. And when we can go in and we can access those memories and see the lie that was planted deep in the subconscious mind and help that child, we do a lot of inner child work with what we do, but help that child to see the lie that it wasn't true, that there's another possibility. Then we can shift that perspective for the child's self and bring them forward to the future and have that shift of perspective take its place. And then we start evolving. And again, this takes, it takes coaching. It takes constant concentration and understanding of what's going on in our brain and looking and examining our thoughts and saying, is this true? Is this thought or is this belief that I've been thinking for all of my life, is this really true? And if I think it's true, how am I showing up because of it? We start to unravel the thought, the emotion it brings, the action we take or we don't take because of it. And then the results that it brings into our lives. So that's what I help open up with my clients. I help them see the path, the path from the thought or the belief, how it leads to the emotion and what emotion they're experiencing. And then, you know, what action they do or do not take in their life because of it. We sit on the sidelines of our lives because of those limiting beliefs. We do not get in the arena. We do not play ball, right? We sit on the sidelines and I help my clients work from sitting on the sidelines to getting into the game of their life and to really taking action and really accomplishing what their soul is calling them to do. Because all of us have this soul calling within us. We feel it. It is constantly there. Sometimes we silence it. We don't listen to it. But if we really start opening ourselves up, there is that sense that we want to know our greater purpose in life. We want to know, we want to make a bigger impact in the world. And so that's what we do. I show them the path to work through all those emotions and how they can get in the arena and get on the court and start playing the game of life fully and enjoying it. Love it. Get in the arena. I love that. (laughs) Laura, when did you realize you had the gift of being an intuitive and how hard or easy was that to embrace for you personally? Well, I think it was a couple years after my first session with Dominique, because I had this desire to learn more about these healing arts. When Dominique and I sat for that emotional release session, I hadn't done anything like that before. I'd been to a therapist. I had talked to my doctor and he prescribed me Prozac or Celexa. I think those were two of the antidepressants that I took and tried. So I had not really been in this healing world. And so it was so impactful, the work that I did with Dominique. I um, was introduced to emotional freedom technique. And so I thought, okay, this is weird, but it's interesting. So then I started doing a lot of research and I took a course in it and I got certified. And then I met somebody who was a Reiki master. And so I learned a little more about Reiki. 
And then I did more education and training with Dominique and her integrative healing techniques. And then I started looking at life coaching and life coaching was kind of the bridge between the two. I was like, okay, I still have this evidence-based nursing brain. And so, you know, the woo-woo, the energy, although I'm exploring it, I'm still thinking, okay, this is kind of woo-woo. There's no clinical research to back this up, right? Yeah. I need evidence-based stuff. So life coaching feels a little more comfortable, but what that gave to me as I started exploring life coaching is it gave me this whole other skill set and understanding about thoughts and how we process our thoughts so that I can use these integrative healing techniques and the life coaching as a hybrid. And so I've just kind of married it all together to my own little special or a oh, special sauce. Yeah, my special sauce. It's the secret sauce. There you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now we're seeing in clinical research, which I love. Okay, I'm a geek for this stuff. I love it. <laughs> we're seeing so much coming out about tapping, you know, just as an example, EFT tapping, they're using it with war veterans, PTSD. It is very effective in neutralizing those triggering emotions and helping people. And so I, now there's more and more evidence, the work of Brene Brown, there's more and more evidence on how we work with our intuition. There's more and more evidence about meditation and how it helps us. So now my nursing brain's like, okay, I can get on board with this. I can let go of that now and yes. <laughs> and navigate more towards the woo-woo, as they say. Yes, yes. <laughs> what lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you're doing? I think it's the transformation that other people can have in their lives. I mean, of course, the, the genesis of it was my transformation, seeing the transformation that I had going from this pain and suffering and wallowing and self-pity and self-loathing and guilt and shame and blame and all these yucky, low vibrational emotions to, you know, moments of just this pure bliss, this pure joy and bringing that to other people, helping them see the path. And that's all, I mean, you need a guide. I haven't gotten here without a guide and I've had many guides, but a guide to show us the path to joy and that blissful joy that we can experience and have in our life. Now we're not going to have it 24 seven, you know, life is 50. 50. There's the good and the bad. We have opposition, but we can have increased moments of joy. It can broaden in our lives. It can have a bigger place in our lives as we do this healing and we start opening ourselves up to the new possibilities. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible to witness transformation unfold right before your very eyes. I I do that as a photographer. I see that as a photographer photographing women in in the genre of boudoir photography. That transformation is just unbelievable. You can't compare that to anything else in life. It's just phenomenal to be witness and to know that you have had a part in helping facilitate that is just one of the most incredible feelings in the world. Yeah. It's so gratifying. It is. Deeply, deeply rewarding. Yeah. It's without language, right? Yeah. Yeah. You cannot describe how it feels. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There are no words. There aren't enough words in the English language to fully express how it feels. Yeah. For sure. Who is your ideal client? Not what kind of business, but what kind of person do you love working with? You know, I think the perfect person is somebody who is in the unveiling phase, right? 
it was me back, well, probably after I did my first session with Dominique, because I wasn't even really looking for that when I had that session with her. She was just doing the course, right? And I started really unveiling and starting to be open up to things. So anybody who's like, I don't really like the patterns that I'm seeing in my life. Why do these things keep happening to me over and over again? I don't like this. So what do I need to do? Because obviously I'm contributing to this in some way. So there has to be that self-awareness that I'm part of the problem, that I may be creating some of this. And that's when we step into some pain. And often people don't want to go beyond that. But somebody who's really interested in looking behind the veil and understanding, okay, there's something here. I know life can be better. I want to see what I can do to make my life better. Now, you also created the Eclipse Meditations app. Can you talk a little bit about that with us and tell us about it, where people can find it and purchase it and all that good stuff, how it came to be? Okay, so this is such a fun story. You know, I talked a little bit about it before how we kind of had talked about it a year prior to us starting it, or maybe six months prior to starting it. Kind of the ideas were tumbling. My brother, Neil was just finishing up a contract uh, with a company that he sold. He was done in December of 2020 with that. And it was really interesting because, you know, he was then going to start working on a different project, but we gathered in February and I said, look, this is my idea. What do you think about really pursuing this and developing this app? And at that point in time, I didn't even know if Neil was interested in developing the app. I hoped was. I knew that he had a skill set. I mean, he's, he's brilliant. So, you know, I'm there in the meeting, like, oh, thinking in the back of my mind, I hope you'll develop the app. So, but when Dominique and Mackenzie were on board with it and we started talking about the concepts of the meditations and I provide like concepts, Mackenzie and Dominique do as well, but Mackenzie and Dominique are the main writers, but I cannot tell you the beauty of when I said, okay, Mackenzie or Dominique, I'd like a meditation that embodies these concepts. Then I handed it off to, well, Mackenzie was the first one I worked with. And what came back to me blew my mind. And I thought, oh my gosh, these women are gifted. And I mean, I knew they were gifted before, but I didn't know how we would be with writing meditations. And then we started assembling our team. Dominique reached out to the local audio engineering college and said, hey, we need some audio engineers. We need a composer. Well, we found a composer who loves scoring movies. And so he scores our journey meditations. And I mean, it was just mind blowing to me how beautiful. Um, And so we just assembled this team. Neil said yes to developing the app (laughs) and has done a phenomenal job. Ty is McKinsey's husband. He loves to master tracks. So he's done a lot of audio engineering for us and he's got an amazing voice and he's starting to voice some of our meditations. So we've just got this incredible team of talented people. Again, by divine design, I just feel like there was this perfect soil, this fertile soil that prepared all of us for this moment. And so we are all here together, this family of healers, as you said in the beginning, creating this. And it's incredible. I just can't even tell you how amazing it feels to be working with them and to be doing this. It sounds incredible. Everything just kind of came together in a beautiful puzzle. Yep. And so in June of last year, Neil had the first version of the Eclipse Meditation app 
available. And of course, he just updates it continually. It's amazing. So the app is available for sale on the Apple store, at the Apple store and on the Google Play store. And the monthly fee is $14.99. And it's incredible. There's so much incredible stuff on there. It's just a no brainer. There's so much value. We've got over 80 meditations already recorded. Well, or I would say there's a grouping, right? There's journey meditations or guided healing meditations. We have clearings or emotional clearings that help clear out anxiety or, you know, clear the intuition. We've got affirmations for healthy mind, healthy body, and for for anxiety. So we've got a whole grouping of those. We've got soundscapes for people to fall asleep to. We've got breath work and we've also got wisdom cards. You can pull that daily wisdom card to give you just a little piece of something to focus on, to give you some guidance of where to think, what to think about and how to heal in your life. And then there's a a meditation link to that wisdom daily for people. So $14.99 a month and then $69.99 a year, which is the best value by far, that annual membership. Neil right now is working on the user experience because of course we just, you know, constant release. So we're really excited about the new user experience that we're creating. So it's just going to get better. We're actively adding, we're recording meditations. We've got a generational healing bundle that is so incredibly beautiful. Dancing with the Ancestors is one Dominique just recorded. The composer just sent it back. And it reminds me of the um, some of the music in, in Kanto where we, you know, this is the whole healing family, right? We don't talk about Bruno, but it has this magical flavor that just reminds me of some of the music in Encanto. So this generational healing bundle is going to be so powerful because when we can learn that part of our wounds and trauma is it's not all us and we can let go of those generational burdens, the healing just expands and deepens even further. Sounds incredible. So all of these meditations and healing, they're all included for that $69.99 a year. Yes. Yep. The whole, the whole deal. Yep. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Laura, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and keep pushing and excelling at all that you do? You know, it's just my desire to help people live healthier and happier lives. I want them to experience what I've experienced. You know, I was so many years in hospice. I just saw so many self-defeating behaviors and so much self-sabotage, you know, those who are on hospice because of alcoholism or that they didn't take care of their bodies because they, there was not self-love, you know, they just didn't have that foundation, that, that nurture and that love for themselves to take care of them. And so in all of this, it's like, how can I teach people earlier in their lives to live healthy and to have happiness in their lives and to have these deep, meaningful relationships instead of the alternative of living alone and, you know, suffering from addictions and, you know, I've just got the, from both perspectives, right? Yeah, exactly. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to, to meet people earlier in life and show them the path to happiness. Love it. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? That's a good question. I think it's <laughs> my ability to love others, to empathize and 
and love other people. I remember early on in my hospice career, there was a sister of a patient of mine that said, we just so appreciate, she wrote it in a note to me after her sister passed away. She said, we just so appreciate your genuine nature and how you interacted with us and with our sister. And it's, truly is. Yeah. My ability to love, it feels so good, right? I just love loving other people and helping them see what's possible in love. Absolutely. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Well, for me personally, is just becoming a better version of myself every day, being the best possible person that I can be. I don't like to tag success with accolades or what we accomplish. You know, I've shifted away from that thinking. It used to be that I, you know, thought I needed to accomplish something to have value, but I've come to understand that what really matters is that I am just becoming a better version of me every single day. What counts? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think coming into the understanding that we are filled with limiting beliefs, that we absorb and adopt the limiting beliefs of those around us as we're raised. I mean, it's just part of our culture and society. We learn all those things. And when we can start taking those apart and looking at them and understanding them at a deeper level, again, going back to that unveiling, it just opens up a whole new realm of joy and happiness in our lives, right? So my life before I was depressed, I had low will to live. I was discouraged. I couldn't stand myself. I could never do anything good enough. You know, just, I spent a lot of years in depression and really struggling with deep depression and then learning all of these concepts and all these healing modalities and learning how to shift my perspective and understand that I was really just animated with lies, that I was acting and living from a place of lies, those limiting beliefs, and then transforming to the truth. The truth is that I can create the life I want. I am not tied to the past or what happened in the past. My past does not define me. I can create what I want in the future. And once I got to that point, that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been creating my future every day with the work that I do, not only in my personal life, but trying to create ideas and healing for others so that they can see a way to create their future, a brighter and better future for themselves. Yeah. I mean, we, as humans, we so often do, we get stuck in the past and we end, we end up living there and that is no way to live. You've got to push past it. it. It's behind you. Leave it there. Leave it in the rear view. Yeah, and do the healing work. Yeah, it takes a lot, though. I mean, people, people, people don't like to look within because they they don't like what they see. It's a very tough thing to do, but until you're able to do that, you can't move forward. Right. Yeah, and I just want to add one more thing. There is the ability to forgive ourselves for one hundred percent when we can do that, because that's where the self loathing, the self rejection comes from. That's where addictions come from. That that's where addiction lives. Yeah, is our inability to forgive ourselves and and turn away from that self-rejection, that self-loathing. Yeah, that's where transformation happens. Laura, what is your personal motto? My personal motto. Okay, so I'm thinking of a placard my mom had in our home growing up that said, do it. 
<laughs> okay. And you know, it's, it's do it, do what I feel compelled to do. Right. I get that message. You know, you are to write. What the heck was that? You know, I don't understand, <laughs> but it's like, okay, do it. You know, my husband came to me in 20, the end of 2020, he said, I want to go do an Ironman. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm on board with that or not. I mean, we had been training, we've run marathons. We do a lot of, of physical stuff already. Right? right. So, but an Ironman is a whole different undertaking, right? Yeah. But I was like, okay, I love the thought of us doing that together. So, okay, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. And so, yeah, do it. That's my personal motto. Love it. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Wow. Another great question. You know, maybe I'll speak about it from a, the opposite, right? When we are a victim of circumstance, we are powerless and recognizing how we become victims of circumstances in our lives. And I'm not talking about an accident or, you know, something outside. I'm talking about how we victimize ourselves in ways and really recognizing that we have to really understand how we get stuck in cycles of shame and blame that keep us stuck in a place of powerlessness. So when we can step out of that and take 100% accountability for our actions and who we are, own our story of the past, that is when we step into empowerment. 100% accountability. Yeah. Beautifully said. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Okay, okay. What was your dream job as a child? I think there's two, nurse and mom. Nurse, really? From a kid, yeah. huh? Wow. Okay. I, did. I wanted to be a nurse. Mother Teresa. I saw her in the <laughs> news. <laughs> <laughs> what was your very first job? My first job? Okay. Was that like pre-high school or post-high school? <laughs> pre-high school. Pre-high school. Just your very I... first job. The first job you ever got. The first job I put honey in honey bears and packed them in these cute little wood crates. Okay. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. I loved the creativity of it. It was kind of sticky though. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe yourself in one word? Probably love. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? This might be a little bit cliche, but I would say the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Love it. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? <laughs> oh my gosh. My husband has mentioned this before. Watch out. She's going to love you to death. <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would that one thing be? Hmm. Choose love. Even if people don't love you back. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money. Okay. Again, this is going to see, seem a little cliche, but world peace, right? One person at a time. And I want to talk in terms of like a world, like my home is my world. Yeah. So I create peace in my home through my actions. I create peace in my workplace. Right. I create peace everywhere I go. And so one person at a time. Absolutely. Love it. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Okay. This is a little different. How we view each other through the eyes of fear. Okay. So when we view other people that other people have an agenda or we're suspicious or paranoid, then we cannot view people through the eyes of love. True. We are in protective mode in Very that true. space. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it? And what would it say? Let's see, where would I put it? Oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe right outside the 
airport because there's a lot of travelers, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What else is possible? I want people to think how much of the time we get locked into thinking that there's only one possible way. What else is possible? Beautiful. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? My husband, Anthony. So I was single for many years, thought really that I would never remarry. And he came into my life. I remember the first time we met in person, we'd been talking over the phone and he walked through the door and I saw him in person for the first time and his little smile. And I thought, Oh no, I'm in trouble. (laughs) I am so in trouble, but we have learned so much together and he just really supports me in everything I do. And he has tried me in so many ways too, right? I mean, (laughs) you get into a relationship, you trigger all kinds of things in each other that were unexpected because you fall in love and you think it's going to be amazing. So we have all these emotional triggers going off everywhere, but it's been such an incredible learning process and it's deepened what I know and understand. And it's, enhanced and magnified my ability to help others in their relationships. So going through this and yeah, just going, we've been married for almost five years and today we are just in such an incredibly peaceful place with each other. And it's taken a lot of work and time, but it's such an unexpected blessing. Beautiful. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? The best version of me, I guess, you know, having the ability to connect and loving as many people as possible and helping them to feel worthy and valued and loved. That would be the best version of me. I'm a little bit shy when it comes to connecting with others. And so sometimes it's, it's hard for me to reach out to others. So that's something that I've really been working on and learning how to connect with people on a deeper level and in a more natural way. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? (laughs) Can I name three and talk about one? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I know that sounds terrible. Maybe it doesn't. That sounds great, right? Mother Teresa. I just love everything that she embodies, everything that she taught the world and brought into the world. Brene Brown and Jody Moore. Jody Moore is a powerful life coach that I've learned so much from, but I think I'll go back to Brene Brown. Love all three of these women, but Brene Brown, like I said, brought all this clinical research and validity to the emotions and and what we understand about emotions today. And so she really has, her work has really helped me see how I can transition from nursing and into this emotional healing world and have the tools and the knowledge that I need to really help affect change in people's lives, help them with the transformation. What is your why? Another great question. And I'll start by saying joy is possible. Even in struggle and hardship, joy can be found. And I want to help people feel and have joy in their lives. That's my why. Beautiful. That's not asking for too much. (laughs) No. World peace, right? Yeah. (laughs) If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Let go of all the lies and limiting beliefs. You don't need them. They don't serve you. You might have thought they were there to keep you safe, but you can let them go. Not necessary. Another another tough hurdle to to get past that. All the self-talk, all the self-limiting beliefs, that, that right there, I think is the worst of all. That's worse than external noise. 
from yes. other people and the haters and the naysayers and all of that, the internal noise is the absolute worst. That's the hardest hurdle to jump over. Absolutely. And when we master that internal noise, the external is inconsequential. That's right. 100%. 100%. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, it still affects us. Oh, of it, course. It affects us in a very different way. Well, I mean, we're human beings. It, it, it's going to get in there at times. It's just whether you let it drag you down and really affect you, or I mean, it comes in and you process it and then move past it, let it go. Yeah, absolutely. Lastly, Laura, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, your community, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? What would you say? I think I would ask a question, but I would preface it with this. We are all creators. We are powerful beings with the ability to create misery or suffering or boundless joy. It's your choice. What do you choose? Beautiful. That's powerful. Great way to end the interview. (laughs) Thank you so much, Laura, for taking the time to be here today and share a bit of insight into your journey and your story and what you're doing. The beautiful bright light that you're shining onto the world. I appreciate you. This has been such a, a wonderfully inspirational conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. And I'm just so grateful that our paths crossed and to have you as a member of the Empowerography community is just an honor. So thank you for all that you're doing. And thank you for being part of the community and for sharing your story. Brad, thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you do to support women and empower women. It's a beautiful thing to see. And I'm just honored to be here with you today and to be able to share a little bit about my journey. Just thank you so much. My pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast today. My guest has been Laura Jeffers. She is a co-founder of Eclipse Healing and the Eclipse Meditations app. Thank you so much, Laura. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.